February. I mean, my gosh, it, it's happening. And we're declaring that this is the year of the upgrade. And we've been talking about that. You have to be willing to get better. And I'm trying to create in you a vision for the year to get better, because here's the sad thing. A whole year could get by and you stay exactly the same. Now, that's a wasted year because the Bible promises us that we can go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. But here's the thing. It ain't just going to happen. In order to get better, it takes effort. Amen? If you want the backyard to look prettier, you got to go out and work it. Amen? Or pay, or pay somebody to. Somebody's got to work on that thing. But if you, if you leave it alone, it ain't going to get better. Amen? Your life is the same way. Your life is the same. If you don't touch your backyard, it's going to turn into a jungle. It's going, it's going to get bad. And you could say all you want, man, I want my backyard to be beautiful. But if you don't get that back there and mow that thing and, and take care of it, it's not going to get better. And this is what we do with our lives. We start the new year out all expecting, oh, this is going to be a great year. Oh, yes, says who? You've got to do the work. And that's what the vision I'm trying to give you, that this is the year where you dig deeper and you grow. And so we started looking at Third uh, John chapter 1, verse 2, as our foundational text. I'll read it to you again. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I'll say it again. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, what is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so the engine that is driving you prospering is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's why you got to go to a church that teaches you the word of God. Tell your neighbor, I found one. All right. Uh, you got to go to a church that's actually teaching you something, not just, you know, giving you a TED talk and sending you on your way. You've got to go somewhere where it's going to challenge your mind, your will and your emotions so that we can prosper there. If we can get our thinking prospering, then prosperity around us will just come to us. But the problem with most of us is we don't have a prosperous soul. The thoughts in our life are toxic. The thoughts in our life are of defeat. The lens we look through is a defeated lens. Nobody likes you. You never get blessed. Everything's wrong. The food was messed up. 
This is bad. That's bad. Nobody cares about you. Nobody said hi to you this morning. And it's negativity, negativity, negativity. And then you want to prosper. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen until you can prosper from the inside out. This is why Jesus tried to teach us that the kingdom of God is not out here. It's not food and drink. He said the kingdom of God, it's within you. And so as your pastor, when I teach you every Sunday, y'all know I teach every Sunday, right? I don't know why some of y'all don't come every Sunday, but I'm teaching every Sunday. Okay, I'm doing my part. But, but, But see, why we're doing that is because we're trying to renew your mind. We're trying to renew your mind, which it talks about in Romans chapter 12, 2 and 3. Look, let's look at that. Let me read to you in the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Somebody needs to write that down or maybe get the tattoo on your, on your back or something like that, okay? Because for some reason, we've become a people that are always trying to emulate the world. Now, we've got to be careful for that because the Word of God tells us don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And I just got to tell you, changing the way you think doesn't just happen. It takes effort. It takes work. We're going to have to do some things to change the way that we think. Can I get an amen on that? And so we've talked about that teaching is what I'm doing right now, but learning is what you have to do. And see, the problem with most people, they think if I just surround myself with teaching, then I'm going to I'm going to learn. And that's not true. Teaching is what is happening out here. Learning is what happens in here. And so you've got to teach yourself. Well, how do I learn? I've learned about myself that the way I learn is through repetition. So it's very rare that I listen to a message one time. Very rare. Praise God for YouTube. You know, but before internet, I used to get tapes. That's right. Tapes are those little things that you'd have to play. And I would listen to tapes over and over and over again. And then they came out with CDs. Y'all remember CDs, right? And I'd play those in my car. I'd get messages. And back in them days, they used to charge us to buy them. Amen. Uh, it was $5 a CD for a service. If a service was good, I, didn't, I had to go buy the CD and listen to it over and over and over again. Y'all, we put it up for you free on YouTube, by the way. Praise God. Amen. You ain't got it. The struggle was real for some of the OGs in the house. It was, it was real. But you know what? That's how I learned. That's how I knew, understood that I learned. Psychologists will tell you that you learn three times as much of what you write down. I should see people writing stuff down on their phones, on their, on their iPad, on their whatever. You should write stuff down if you care. Amen? I know you're getting uncomfortable right now. That's okay because I'm trying to help you because teaching is not going to change you. Learning is going to change you. And so you've got to find out what it is that you need to do to learn. Amen? Amen? Because, see, your pastor is trying to see to it that you get transformed. Because a better life is on the other side of your transformation. See, but we don't want to wait for the transformation. We just want the better life. And God's saying, no, 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 no. If I give you the better life, you'll jack it up right now. So what God is trying to do is transform you, and then he'll bring the man of your dreams. But you want him now. If you brought him now, you'd probably scare him off with your crazy self. 
So God is trying to work on you. That's why he gives you a pastor like this that will teach you the word, challenge you like this, and, and make you feel a little uncomfortable sometimes. Because I know what will happen on the other side of your transformation. If God could transform the way you think about money, then he could trust you with it. Some of y'all don't even get, man, he's got millions for y'all. He's got business ideas for y'all. But if, you, if he gives it to you now, you're just going to waste it on handbags and tennis shoes. And that's not what it's for. It's for establishing his covenant. Can I get an amen on this? So I've been trying to talk to you the last couple of weeks about mindsets. And we talked about pummeling the spirit of poverty. And I talked to you about a book I read many years ago called The Framework for Overcoming Poverty. And it talks about poverty thinking or thoughts that produce poverty. And many people are deceived into thinking that poverty is just about money. It's not. And we gave you the statistics about NFL players and NBA players and lottery winners. The majority of them end up back in bankruptcy after making millions upon millions of dollars because money does not solve poverty. It doesn't. And so what begins to happen is we deceive ourselves into thinking just because I got a degree and a good job that I'm free from poverty. But I'm here to tell you, just because you work for the state and have a nice income, you still act broke. We have a term for that in 2024, right? We call it ghetto fabulous. And you know what I'm talking about. We all know. You want to see ghetto? Go to Walmart. No, 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 no shade against Walmart. Amen. No shade, no shade. I want to make sure I said that. One time I, uh, I talked about Walmart a little bit. Somebody goes, Pastor, I work there. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was... <laughs> the only reason I use that is because it's something I think we can all go, oh, yeah, I've seen people in Walmart shopping in their pajamas. Some of you didn't know what to laugh or, or what to do right there. Because <laughs> some of you are like, oh, that was me, that was me. You've been to Walmart and there's an argument at the cash register because they misrang up a $1.99 item. It's $1.99 and they're about to go to blows over $1.99 because people don't know how to act. See, all that behavior and stuff comes from a place. Now, here's the problem. You can get a good job, make a good salary, move to Elk Grove, move to Natomas, and you could still act as ghetto as the next person. Because it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with the way you think. And so Dr. Ruby Payne talks about that in, in her book. And she, uh, she talks about the eight resources that greatly influence achievement. And so we've been using this as a springboard to go into the word of God. Because the word of God also says those things about this. Okay. And so what are the eight resources that she talks about? Number one, it's financial. Number two, emotional. Number three, mental. Number four, spiritual. Number five, physical. Number six, support systems. Number seven, role models. And number eight, the knowledge of hidden rules. And so what these studies have found is that it's these eight areas that uh, consist to a person being in poverty or having 
poverty thinking. And so the last two weeks, we've been kind of sending a foundation for you, uh, talking about those mindsets and the way that people in the middle class and the upper class and the lower class view things like money, view things like food, uh, view the body view, you know, the lens that we look through is very different. We said that people that have been raised in, an, in a poverty mindset, the way they, they value our food is they value food based on quantity. How much do I get for my money? How big is the burrito? How big is the burger? And just because it's big, we say it's good. But in the middle class, you go over here and they care more about quality. Okay, who cares if it's big? This right here, this burger's Kobe beef. Oh, come on, somebody. I'd rather have a smaller Kobe beef burger than a big old fat giant burger with low-grade meat. All right, how many know what I'm talking about? And then the upper class take it to another level, and they, they're not so much concerned with the quantity, the quality, but they're into the presentation. And so that burger is about this big and it's got a flower on it and they're super excited about it. Oh, look how pretty it is. And it's served to you on nice fine china and there's music and violins playing in the room that you're eating it. That's what they're looking for. Those are the levels of thinking. And so we talked about that, but I wanna get into these eight things from a biblical context of these things. These are the things we must confront to change our thinking out of a poverty mindset. Are you guys ready for this? Come on, your kids are counting on this. Are y'all ready for this? Come on, do it for your grandkids, amen? Let's break curses today, all right? Because for too long, we're perpetuating the same poverty thinking from generation to generation. My parents, uh, my dad was born in Mexico, okay? And even though I wasn't, he raised me like we were still living in that abject poverty in Mexico. We never threw anything out. Come on, somebody. We never threw anything out. Ever. Because of that poverty mindset. I'd be, I'd, I'd tell, now I tell him because he's a little older and he's not going to smack me in the face. Well, at least I don't think he will. Uh, you know. And so sometimes I'll be like, Dad, you know, we got to throw this out. We're not in Mexico no more. And he's come to know. He'll be like, son, you're right. You're right. It's just so hard. He tells me that, son, you could throw it out. Just do it when I'm not here. Just do it when I'm not here. I don't want to see it. I don't know what it is. I know what it is, Pop. It's because of what's ingrained in your thinking. That even though you've been a landowner, even though you own apartments, even though you planted your own business, even though you've moved and sent your kids to college, you've done everything, you still think in a poverty mindset. And can I just tell you, it affected my brothers and I. So as you're listening today, do this for your kids and your kids' kids. Amen? Tell your neighbor, lean into this. So let's look at this. The first thing we talked about, we started on this last week, is the first area, the first resource that contributes to poverty is financial. Now, I said this earlier. It's not all based on this, but let's start with this here because I think this is something everybody understands. What is this, this resource? Basically, the financial resource is this, having money to purchase goods and services, okay? Having money to purchase goods and services. This creates opportunities, all right? This is what the financial piece is all about. Finances are important in the earth realm, okay? Y'all ain't in heaven yet. And God knows this. And this is why the, one of the topics that God preached the most, Jesus preached on the most in his earthly ministry, was about money. It was about money. 
He preached more. The only thing he preached more about was the kingdom of God, which equals God's way of doing things. So if you were going to go hear Jesus preach when he lived on the earth, you were going to hear him teach a message on the kingdom of God, finances, and heaven and hell. That was it. Those three things in there. Now, in, in, encapsulated in that were a variety of topics, but he would have been called a prosperity preacher. He would have been. Read the Bible. The second largest thing he is preached more, most about was finances. It's the number one thing in America we don't want preachers to talk about. And they, 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 did, a, they did a poll on churchgoers. And that was the number one thing they're tired of hearing messages on. And I understand it because preachers have ripped off the body of Christ. Preachers have taken things to a whole nother level, buying Bentleys, mansions, jets, off of the tithes and offerings of the people. And I'm just telling you, they're going to have to answer to Jesus about those things. They're doing all that, and I'm buying coach tickets to go to the Philippines, believing God for a ticket to go to the Ukraine. They're, while I'm doing that, these guys are over here, got gold toilets, okay? It angers me just as much as it angers you, all right? It, 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 it's a crime. But know this, we serve a just God. We serve a just God. They're going to have to answer to him. And the reason I say that is because if God's got it, I ain't got to worry about it, okay? What my responsibility is, is to not let what those jokers are doing influence me off of the word of God. All right. So if you go to a church and you can't trust the man and uh, woman of God with the offering, why would you go there? Like if you say, well, I go to Elevate, but man, I don't really give because, you know, preachers be. You should never come back here. It's the most foolish thing to come to a church every week and you don't think you can trust Pastor Tina and I with the finances. Come on. That's the responsibility of a priest. If you go to a church and you can't trust them, don't go back to that church. But if you can, you better, you better practice the word of God in that place. Amen? So the financial piece contributes to poverty. Now, let's look what the word of God has to say about it in Luke chapter 6, verse 11. All right? I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. Jesus preached this. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? I'll read it again. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? What is Jesus preaching to us here? He's preaching to us that we need to get financially educated about the blessings and the money that God has given us. And I've said it before. We, you know, who, we're supposed to learn about how to manage our money. We need to learn and we need to be taught that. I'm telling you, in March, we're going to have signups for that master class. I want to encourage you to be a part of that, especially if you're a business owner and you've never taken a class on that. Hey, we want to help. We're going to upgrade ourselves in those areas. But low-level thinking will say this, oh, I, can't, I can't make those Tuesday nights. I'm too busy. See, that's because you don't understand the word. See, Jesus is challenging us. If you can't be trusted with your paycheck, how can I trust you with otherworldly riches? Now, I could preach a whole other sermon on what otherworldly riches is. But see, to qualify for that, you've got to be able to manage what you have. And here's where it starts. Giving to God what the word of God calls his. Remember, the Old Testament 
Jesus confronts Israel because they've started serving idols. They started marrying women outside of the covenant. They started wiling out. And he says, come back to me. And they say, well, how do we do that, God? He says, stop robbing from me and start giving tithes and offerings again. The number one thing he says to Israel to come back to God is start managing the things I've given you first. Tell your neighbor he's preaching now. Start managing it now, okay? And start learning that it is not an option. Remember, the Bible teaches this, I am the Lord, I change not. Because people want to get into this thing of, well, you know, those are old covenant scriptures. We don't need to tithe uh, now. We're under a new covenant. Man, you need to read the Bible closer. There are things that make it through both covenants. You know what else is old covenant? Don't murder anybody. But we still keep that. Amen? We should. Amen. Some of y'all, yeah, you should keep that. We don't go, oh, no, no, no. That's old covenant. I can't murder who I want to murder. No, we know. We got enough sense to know that. You know what else is old covenant? Don't commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. We don't go, oh, we ain't got to do that no more. So while out, have at it. No, there are things that come through the covenants. And the Ten Commandments are some of them, moral laws, amen? But can I tell you, tithes and offerings also transfers through that? Now, what Jesus did do is he canceled the curse that comes with not tithing. But he's still watching if you're tithing. He's still watching. And your tithe determines your, determines your trustworthiness. Amen? It determines it. You know, uh, yeah, it's like the, the, the world's largest church in Seoul, Korea. It was the largest church throughout the 2000s. Uh, Pastor uh, Cho I remember my friend, Pastor Troy, was out there for a conference and he was telling me about this. He was sharing this with me. He said they were giving them a tour of the church and they showed him the lobby. And in the lobby, there's this huge wall. And that, that church has over, had over a million people at one time. And so they were showing them the lobby and there's this massive wall in the lobby. And there's all these pictures and there's these names underneath them written in Korean. And so they were given the tour and they're walking by this wall and Pastor Troy says to, to one of the pastors, hey, hey, uh, what's this wall right here? He wanted to hear because he thought, man, this, is, this must be all the people maybe that gave to the building or that were ministers, that the missionaries. He, so he, he was like, what's this wall of people here expecting a good answer? The pastor looked at him and he goes, oh, that wall? Those are all the people in our church that don't tithe. Pastor Troy was shocked. He's like, oh my gosh, that's jacked up. Why y'all do that? He goes, oh, no, no, it's not a mean thing. Here's the wisdom behind it. We want our church to be careful of them because if they will rob from God, they will rob from you. That's a mic drop right there, amen? Because that's how serious those people view the tithe. That's how serious and so the pastor was saying, I put this up here for the safety of my sheep. Don't do business with these fools. They're not trustworthy. They're not good managers of their wealth. 
And so if you saw your picture on that wall, that's a problem. So next Sunday, my brothers, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Some of you is like, I ain't ever coming back to this church. That's all right. The picture will still be there. I'll be there. But, but I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying, see, these are the, this is the seriousness that we've got to begin to view. You don't do it for my benefit, your neighbor's benefit. You do it because it demonstrates to the Lord that you can be trusted financially. And you don't do it if you make a lot of money. Because I've had people say, oh, pastor, you know, when this business takes off, man, we're really going to give a lot to the church. And I always think to myself, liar. You lying. Because if you don't give now, you won't give then. If you don't give now, you won't give then. And here's the thing. It's not about what you have. It's just that you do your part. Don't wait for your ship to come in. Because without God's help, it ain't ever coming in. Amen. I've had people give out of their welfare checks to the house of God. And I say amen to that. You give what you have. Give what you have. Amen. Do something to show God. God, you are my source. I am trustworthy with finances. Because Jesus said this, if he can't trust you with a dime off of every dollar. That's what we're talking, y'all. A dime off of every dollar. If he can't be trusted with that, you can't be trusted with otherworldly wealth. And the church said. So here's the thing. Don't be sad. It's an easy fix. It's still early in the year. Make a commitment, Lord, everything that comes into my hand, whatever blessing that comes to me, I will give you what is yours. And your word tells us a tithe is yours, 10%. A dime off of every dollar goes to your house to provide for this church, to do outreaches, to do missions. And and, and this is the thing. You're in the right place for it because we do stuff. I've been to churches. They didn't touch their communities. I've been to churches. They weren't sending nobody to the nation's. I've been there, and we, I tell you what, we have done miracles off of a little bit. And I'm telling you, it's time for you to get involved and get some fruit added to your account to be a part of that. Amen? Because the Word of God says if you can be trusted with worldly wealth, God will pour out heavenly blessings upon you. Look at Luke 16, 14, and 15. And if this is making you mad, this scripture's for you. It says here, the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all of this. And they scoffed at Jesus. And then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Now, the Pharisees were churchgoers, but the Bible says this. They were churchgoers that loved their money. All right. We don't want to be like that. We want to be churchgoers that love God. I tell you, I've been tithing and giving now for 32 years. That argument is over. I don't get a check and wonder what I'm going to do with it. I don't get paid and be like, am I going to give this week? It it ain't even come up. I don't even look at the bills that are needing to be paid. I have disciplined myself to say everything that comes into my hand, God gets his first. And because of that, God 
has taken me and given me miracles on miracles, blessed my children, blessed my marriage. God has opened up opportunities. I have now gone on over a hundred overseas missions trips. Do y'all need me to do the math to tell you how expensive that is? They don't give away overseas tickets for a hundred, two hundred, whatever. It costs money and every time it's come up, God has provided. Why? Because he can trust me with worldly wealth. The question is, can he trust you? The only way you're going to beat poverty in the financial realm is through first getting an understanding of what God tells us to do with our, with our finances. And the second is through education. And we're going to help you in that area in March. Can I get an amen on that? Write these things down. What does tithes and offerings teach you? Number one, it teaches you how to put your trust in God. How to put your trust in God. Some of you still don't know how to put your trust in God. That's what tithes and offerings will teach you. All right? That's why you stress. That's why you worry so much. That's why you're always so financially strapped. Listen, be a tither, be a giver. It'll teach you how to trust in God. I don't just give blindly to the Lord. I pray over my tithe. Every time I say, Lord, you know how much I need. And you know that this money here would help me, but I give it to you first, trusting that whatever I give away will come back to me in greater quantity, quality, and kind. I pray over that thing. It teaches you to trust in God. Amen? Number two, it teaches you how to manage your money. If you can't tell 10% what to do, you sure can't tell 100% what to do. And that's why some of you are in the condition that you're in. You don't know how to budget. You don't know how to plan. You don't know how to tell your money what to do. Your money comes to you at the end of the, of the month, and it tells you where it's been. Amen? No, no, you got to learn to tell your money what you're going to do. Money, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Some of you at the end of the month, you paying your bills. You're like, money, where you been? And so we, we, we've got to get a handle on that. Amen? So it teaches you how to manage your money. Number three. Giving teaches you how to be a blessing. We have something wrong in our society right now. Everybody wants to be a victim. Everybody wants to be a victim. We celebrate the victims. Oh, we just, we, we rejoice in people's victimhood. But victimhood keeps you from victory. I'd rather you be a victor than a victim. And this is the wisdom in the word of God when it commands us all to be a blessing to God's house. But here's the problem with some of you. You don't see yourself that way yet. And so you come in here like, oh, I don't have much. I'm just going to come and take the word, take the worship, take the free child care, take this, take that. And praise God for the church. Hallelujah. God says, no, 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 no. When you come to my house, you are not a victim anymore. I am empowering you to be a blessing. And so you know what a giver and a tither gets to say? Man, y'all help us to get this building. Y'all help us do our outreaches. Y'all help send your pastor overseas on missions. You do this. Your little job, your little career has done miracles. See, God's empowering you to be a blessing. Everything we do here is part of the giving family. That's your fruit. So you're not a victim anymore. Please. You are blessed to be a blessing. And the only reason some of us don't give, don't serve, don't help is because you still, I'm just, I'm just not good enough. I just can't. No, if Jesus saved you, he empowers you and he puts you in a position to serve others. 
psychologists will tell you the quickest way out of depression is stop focusing on yourself. You don't believe me? Go talk to your therapist. Some of you trust your therapist more than you trust your pastor. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. If you need to go hear it from him, go ask him or her. Amen. Go ask him because it's the truth. The reason you're so depressed is because you're overly concerned with yourself. And what begins to happen when you give is you begin to think of the needs of others. And you should have be taking on the needs of this church. It should concern you. It, could, it should concern you. This is your church. Do your part. Tell your neighbor, do your part. Let's keep going. All right. So it teaches you how to be a blessing. Amen. Number four. It teaches you how to place God over money. Jesus said, you can't serve God in mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is the God of money. If you're not a tither and you call yourself a Christian, I, I want to tell you something today. You're probably serving money. And Jesus says it like this. You can't serve us both. Here's what he says will happen. You won't be able to serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. So let me tell you about a Christian that really serves money. Church begins to be a chore for them. It's a chore. Dang, they're doing Tuesday nights now? Dang, I got to go to that. Dang, I got to get my kids to youth. Ah, oh, it's my week to serve. See, because you ain't got no love in it no more. Your love is not in God's house. It is not in God. You know where your love is? It's in your money. That's why you don't give. That's why you don't tithe. You can call yourself a Christian all you want, but I'm trying to help you today. Jesus said you will love one and hate the other. If you really love God, you give to it. Amen. You give to him. Period. Period. You wouldn't tell your kids, oh, I love you kids. Mommy, can I have a dollar? No, get out of here. Can I eat today? Nah, get out of here. Get a job. You love them kids. Amen. Some of you got triggered. I had a mom like that, Pastor. And you know she didn't love you like she should have. Amen. So don't be like that. Amen. Let's keep going. Number five, it teaches you how to be trustworthy. That's the big one, guys. That's the big one. You are always going to struggle with a lack mentality because you are not trustworthy. Picture this, man. I've, I've said this story here before. I've actually got it from Pastor Manny Arango. He talks about a story about, you know, what if I were to leave out of town? I have to take a a, a month-long missions trip back to the Ukraine. And so my wife and kids are over here. So I call up Pastor Willard and I say, Pastor Willard, check it out, man. I want you to take care of my wife and kids. So here's what I'm going to do. The bills need to be paid. The mortgage got to be paid. Here's five grand for the next 30 days. Okay. All I need you to do is make sure that 10% of this and this portion goes to them, man, have a blast for the rest of it. Just for your troubles, man, have a blast, do whatever you want. Be blessed for taking care of my wife and kids. Pastor Willard's like, amen. I'll do it. I go away, come back. Or I'm calling while I'm gone. Hey, did Pastor Willard come by there yet? Nah, I ain't seen him. He dropped by one week and then another week later on. Well, what did, he, you give, did he give you the money I, I gave to him? Well, he gave me a few dollars. He, he, he brought the kids McDonald's. And then that was it. Do you think I will ever trust Pastor Willard again? Do you think I would ever give him another dime? You can answer. That is what we do. 
to God when we do not take care of his house. Remember, the Bible says he blesses you. Every blessing he's given you comes from him. And all he asks is you take care of his bride. All he asks is that you take care of his kids. That shows, my brother and sister, how trustworthy you are. And you better believe God doesn't play with this. Because he loves us. He loves us. Amen? Amen. How many of you love your teenagers? Amen. How many think your teenagers deserve a well-paid youth pastor? Not one who is having to get a second job. Can I tell you, we have a youth pastor that's having to get a second job. While you're enjoying a great life and you're doing all this incredible stuff. And while you're holding back all your blessings, he's got to go out and get a second job to take care of the teenagers in this house. And God is saying this, Pastor Sergio, I don't know what's going on because I'm blessing the people of God. I know they got money to give. I'm not asking for all their money, Pastor Sergio. I'm just asking them to give the portion that they should have. And I'm going, God, I know, I know. And poor Pastor Willard's having to get out here and get a second job. How many think our kids deserve a children's pastor? You know, Mama T's been doing it for free for so many years. She got her own kids. And they're bad, too. So they're bad, too. But she leaves those bad kids. And she comes and takes care of your bad kids. She should be paid. You know why she should be paid? So we can really take care of our kids. We're at the church as, our, as we're at the level as our church grows. We got to take care of these things. And so God blesses you to be a blessing to the house so all the needs can be met. I just got to tell you, we're doing all right, but we ain't meeting all the needs. So if you're not giving, ask yourself why. And, and, and also do the litmus test. Am I trustworthy? Because God ain't asking for it all. He, he, he blesses you enough for you can have the houses, the cars, the, the nice things, the handbags, the Jordans. He, he takes care of you. All he asks, you take care of his bride. All you ask, you take care of his children. Amen? Hey, listen, this is a hard word today. I get it. But you know what's even harder? You missing out on the blessings because you're not showing God that you're trustworthy. I don't like preaching words like this a lot of times because y'all look at me like I'm money hungry. Yeah, they do. People, oh man, pastor, always talking about money. But listen, I'll take the shot if it helps one or two sheep get back on board. I'll take the shot. I'll take the shot. Because we can't upgrade unless you upgrade. Here's the thing, man. Jesus said it. If I can't trust you with money, I can't trust you. You are lying to yourself, thinking that your business is going to take off, that this is going to happen, and you are not even a tither. Show God you're trustworthy. Show God money is not your God. Show him that you're out of a poverty mindset by putting him above your finances. And for the second week in a row, I only got through one of them. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand on our feet. I promise I'm going to get to these seven other ones. I blame y'all. I had it in my notes. Y'all kept me here. 
But listen, let's get it, y'all. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's tell Jesus today, you could trust me. You could trust me. That's all he's waiting for you to show him. And we should all know this. You say it all the time, but actions speak louder than words. Let's give to God today. Let's say, God, I, I give to you today. Forgive me. I will show you I'm trustworthy. And watch the blessings that flood into your life effortlessly as you overcome this lack thinking in your finances. Let's throw out every excuse, man. Some of you are here like, well, pastor, I want to tithe, but my husband don't want to. Then tithe off of what you make until that joker learns. Come on. Well, pastor, I want to, but my wife won't let me. Well, you show her that you wear the pants. You show her that you are in charge and you tithe off of what you make. I lost some of you on that. I wear the pants. Oh, pastor, you don't know my wife. You don't know my wife. I'm just telling you, I want more than anything to perform for the audience of one. I don't care what you think, you think, you think. I care what he thinks. And I want my life to show him, God, I'm trustworthy and you have blessed me and you have reserved a portion for your bride and your children. And I refuse to be a robber and take it from them. If we all did our part, we're gonna have an upgraded year. Amen. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.